0: Welcome to Integrative Nurse Coaches in Action, the podcast where nurses, healthcare professionals, and consumers come to hear from inspirational nurse leaders in health and wellness coaching. We cover the latest innovations, ideas, and breakthroughs from nurses who are shifting the paradigm of disease care to healthcare through the art and science of integrative nurse coaching. 20% of the United States population is from Hispanic and Latin descent, so it is imperative for nurse coaches and nurses to learn more and understand these important cultures and practices to be more informed and diverse in our practice. Curanderismo is a Spanish name given to the healing practices from Mesoamerica, from Central South Mexico, Central America, the Peruvian Andes, and the Amazonian area. The Spanish root is cura, which means heal. In today's episode, Caroline Ortiz shares her courage and vulnerability as she speaks about her journey of reconnecting to the holistic practices of curandiorismo and how her path to understand her grandmother's practices as a child has opened a new way of practicing nursing and living her life. Growing up bicultural and bilingual along the U.S.-Mexico border in the Texas-Rio Grande Valley, Caroline Ortiz encountered a myriad of perspectives on health. As the daughter of a nurse, she took her medicine, followed the doctor's orders. As the granddaughter of a Mexican woman, she drank her herbal teas, submitted to body sweepings with an egg, and followed the recommendations of the local curandera. Now, with over 25 years of nursing experience, Caroline's work, which has been shared locally, nationally, and internationally, centers on promoting individual and community health through holistic approaches. Currently, she's an associate professor in holistic nursing at Pacific College of Health and Science and a doctoral candidate in nursing education at Villanova University. Caroline is apprenticing in curanderismo the traditional Mesoamerican medicine from Mexico and researching the use of traditional medicine by Mexican American women living in the Texas Rio Grande Valley. This path has brought her back to where she started as a child with a foot in two worlds. Now, before we get to the podcast, let's take three deep breaths in and out together. One. Two, three, now we're ready. Welcome, everyone, to Integrative Nurse Coaches in Action. My name is Nicole Vienno. I'm your host, and I'm also a board-certified integrative nurse coach. And today, it is exciting because we are welcoming Caroline Ortiz, all the way from Manhattan, New York. She is an associate professor at Pacific College of Health and Science in the Holistic Nursing Program. She's also a board-certified coach and curandera of ONE. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you so much, Nicole. I really am appreciative of the opportunity. Well, I'm so happy you're here because your story needs to be told Uh, You are doing such exciting work, and I know all of your stories will be very inspiring to our listeners. So we'd love to take a dive back into history and learn a little bit about you by asking the
1: question, how did you discover nursing? I discovered nursing very early on because my mother is a nurse, and although she retired after 52 years, I believe. She is still a nurse Uh, and so it was something that I grew up with. My intention was not to become a nurse initially, neither was that the intention of my older sister or my younger sister, but all three of us are also nurses now. We kind of all started off wanting to be something different or wanting to do something completely different, but all found our way into nursing and how the exciting thing about nursing is that we're all doing something different within nursing. So I grew up in a house of nurses and still still, am surrounded by them in, at Thanksgiving.
0: I love that. I mean, that's, it, it's funny too, because oftentimes as children, we see our mom and sometimes we want to be like our mom and sometimes we don't want to be like our mom. <laughs> and in this case, your whole family almost ends up being nurses.
1: Yes, and we certainly saw not only the, the beautiful parts of being a nurse of, you know, people coming to my mom for help, both, you know, in an official capacity, you know, as part of her job, but also the, you know, other family members and the neighbors and people always asking her for medical advice, or can you look at this thing, or can you look at that thing, or what can I do about this or that? It, I remember it in my memory as constant and at all hours of the day or night, and in all situations, birthday parties and quinceañeras and just family get-togethers, the random barbecue, like there were always people searching her out. And I will say that to this day, it's, it still happens. And it's beautiful, I think it speaks to the heart of nurses in sort of conveying that approachability conveying that expertise and knowledge and conveying that trust from the community that we have yeah and i think of
0: first of all i was imagining your whole family sitting together at the dinner table all nurses
1: and the discussions that that would could be had at dinner <laughs> my father that who is not at all into anything medical and is a little skeevy would be like, ladies, can we change the subject, please? It was like, oh yeah, sure, I guess.
0: <laughs> Sorry, dad. <laughs> that's great. And I also know like in the Gallup polls, nurses have been voted the most trusted profession and the highest ethical ethical standard. We've been voted that for almost 20 years in a row.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And that's really shown up in, in your experiences as watching your mom
1: and I'm sure you have it in your own life as well. Uh, not as much as I saw it in my mother, which is just fine. Yeah, we grew up in a, in a small town on, on the Texas-Mexico border and where everybody knows everybody. And I was probably related to 50% of the people in the town in some, you know, in some degree of relation. So, yeah, so it was a close-knit family. And my mom was a, a pillar of the community for sure. So how did you discover nurse coaching? Nurse coaching came into my path, oh gosh, I'm going to say 2013-ish. I was in cohort eight of, of Inca, and one of my very good friends had taken the nurse coaching course. She, I believe, was in cohort three or five, and just had nothing but wonderful things to say and what a transformational experience it was for her. I already knew and and would consider myself, you know, friends with uh, Susan and Barbie and have always held the utmost respect for for them personally and for their work. And so when my friend told me about the program and just how amazing it was to her personally, I, I was in. i wanted to to have that transformation also. So um, I came across it. And this was when they were still doing it uh, in person in New York. And yeah, I had the wonderful opportunity to to join such a wonderful group of, of nurses and, and engineers. Very inspirational.
0: And you mentioned the word transformation and, and wanting to experience that yourself. What were the things that you noticed in yourself that you may have considered
1: transformational? So that is easy for me to to select, although there were many many experiences and of various of various things, um, both as a group and reflecting upon the work we were doing in practice. Uh, I remember sharing this with Susan that. The biggest takeaway for me that I will forever be grateful to them for and, and, and to all my teachers, you know, my fellow classmates who are all who were also my teachers, is to that learning to listen and not listening so that I can think of what to say in response, not listening to see how I can fix whatever needed. I, I would identify as needing fixing that was before me, but listening with no ulterior motive other than to listen. Uh, listen with my whole self. Listen with the intention of providing a safe space for that person to communicate and to assure that assure them that I heard them. So it was. It was that is. My number one takeaway, and what I would say was my biggest aha, how much I wasn't listening and how powerful, how really deeply powerful it is when someone knows that they are being heard.
0: And so when you realize that listening and being with someone was, you know, your biggest aha, your biggest takeaway, what were you noticing from? The person who was experiencing that
1: exchange.: I think people have a need to feel heard. You know throughout that process of you know practicing, listening, how to, and what does it look like? what does it feel like, comes the realization that when we have an opportunity to share, to voice, to organize in our head and then vocalize whatever it is that we're thinking or feeling or describing, that is a, a therapeutic processing for the speaker. And, and, and that's a wonderful, helpful healing process to have to, to vocalize and communicate or, or organize your thoughts and feelings in such a way so as that you can communicate to the other. But I think the the other piece of that magic, I'll call it, is when you feel, when you know that someone has then received your communication, not that they do anything about it, especially not that they judge it in any way, but that someone has received it. So someone else now knows your own thoughts and your own feelings that you've communicated. And I think that's the piece that then builds that community, that feeling of I'm not alone. And that is powerful. The feeling that you are not alone in your thoughts and feelings. And now someone else knows them too. Beautiful. (laughs) Yes, thank you for sharing that.
0: So maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you are
1: using nurse coaching in your practice. So my nurse coaching practice is informal. Uh, as you noted, I work in a holistic nursing program at Pacific College. And the students that I have are all already licensed nurses. So they've, they're coming back to school to get their bachelor's, or they're coming back for a certificate program in holistic nursing, or in master, a master's in nursing. And I find that exactly what i what we were just talking about that that ability to just listen and to be present in the listening is what i use most with my students and you you know you would think that being a teacher is all about you communicating what you know to students yes and it is also about what are they getting from what you've communicated and there's where that listening skill comes to be very valuable in what they you know share with you verbally. Also you know listening in what they write, you know in their assignments or their emails to you or their texts to you. and really being comfortable with allowing them space to communicate. I remember a time where I was in a in a traditional classroom, me in person because now I teach solely online. but so we were sitting around a table. And one particular nurse was having just a really difficult day, but that was on top of just a really difficult season in her life. And so she was communicating verbally a lot of distress, and it was aimed at everyone and everything. And I remember telling myself internally, just listen, just listen. And so I let her talk and she did for a, for a while. And then the, the emotion, the heightened emotion was kind of over and she calmed down and we talked, uh, you know, we talked it through to sort of close that time with everyone together and everyone left. And then later in the hallway. One of the students that had, you know, been sitting in the classroom with us and had witnessed the outburst, she came to me with what I still remember as sort of this sense of wonderment and sweetness. And she says, you're such a good listener. Almost like, I can't believe you let all that happen. And you just sat there and listened and it was fine. And I'm still struck by that. You know, it was, it was a moment in time and this was years ago, but that, that nurse was Amazed or or impressed by a response that was just listening and holding space, holding safe space enough for that person to move through her emotions and then move on. And so I thought, you know that was that 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 was so validating for me and so wonderful to see that someone else can pick that up. who Who is not a coach? who is you know who is a nurse and who is a person? and the value of that that remembering the value of that remembering that we don't have to have the answers we don't have to fix it we don't have to correct it like first let's just start by just listening and holding space
0: so powerful and i'm thinking of of the the observers watching you hold that sacred space mm-hmm. and and they were so curious about that or this particular nurse, and very curious enough to ask you about it. And I think to our normal, I'm putting the quotations up, our normal nursing environments and how we can potentially feel like we don't have time to listen, or the space or capacity to listen in those really fast-paced environments. And so would you be willing to offer some some tips or tools for nurses who are working in fast-paced environments and how they can take a moment to listen.
1: So I think that part of our sort of automatic reaction to the whole listening piece is if some if someone shares with us a, a patient or a client or you know even a family member or a friend that if someone is sharing something an issue a challenge you know something they're working through and they they tell us that we feel we have to fix it, or we have to give them advice, or we have to point them in a better direction, or we need to educate them in some way. And that's a lot of pressure because we we may not agree what they said, we may have certainly very heightened feelings about what they said, um, or just not know how to guide them or you know what to say. And if we can remember that just listening is therapeutic for that person, then that is invaluable. Because so so many times I see people having, I overhear, I see people having a conversation and it's two people in conversation, but neither one is listening to the other. It seems like they're each just waiting to give to contribute to the conversation about their views or their opinions or what happened to them, that was just like what that person just said. But one person is in the plane, but there's nowhere for them to land because the other person is trying to fly their own plane at the same time. Uh, sorry, that's just the image that comes to me. So <laughs> I love it. I love it because I'm imagining that too. <laughs> going in different directions too. (laughs) Yeah, they're both just flying around trying to find a place to land their plane, but the other person is not providing a landing pad. Mm. So everybody's just sort of in the air. And and that's hard. That's hard, especially when the person who, who is communicating something, it's very meaningful to them. So I think that it is a matter of reframing or rethinking your role when someone is sharing something with you, that you don't have to fix it. And in many cases, you couldn't even if you knew how. Or maybe you can. Maybe there is something in just giving them the opportunity to voice. There's something you can do, big or small, or subtle for that matter, that you can do that might just shift things for them, make things a little better for them. And I think that's another part of the listening that because we may not know or be able to do something about what they're sharing, we don't want to be, we don't want them to be disappointed. So we don't, we don't even give them the opportunity to sort of reach out. And I do, I do agree though, that in many environments, there is just so much hurry, 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 that it does really feel like you, you don't have the time to sit and listen because for many people and in many cultures, what they might tell you in a bullet point takes a whole story to tell you because they need to tell you the history and the background, and they need to you know, they need to tell you the whole story so you can get the whole picture of what they're you know what they're feeling or thinking. and And that's a very practical uh, conundrum because we may not have the time to listen to a whole story. So, uh, do I have tips? I don't know, but that it is a valuable, worthwhile, meaningful thing that we can do is to offer the space to listen. Yes, and by the same token, communicating that need to others to listen to us. You know, so you know, so many times, and again, my mother, people would come to her with stories and issues and problems and all, of all sorts. And you know, I, I think now. Now what does she do with all of that heaviness? You know, because it was—I don't know—listening to it. I'll say eavesdropping because that was that was me as a kid. I was always the eavesdroppers of adults, <laughs> of adult conversations. Nice. Uh, it's like, oh my goodness, now what's going to happen? You know, so it, I, I even knew then that there, it was sort of burdensome. It was it was a predicament. Now what's going to happen? So that I would say for you know for nurses, we are people too we need to be listened to also. We need to communicate what we desire, what we need, what we want, what we hope for also. With that hope that we will to walk away from exchanges feeling like we had a safe place to land our plane and that someone listened. And not to fix me or to give me advice or to do something for me and, as in, instead of me, but just to listen. And I think in that is so much healing, the beginning of that healing, because healing is a process and that community building to feel like you have a community and community can be one other person that you have someone who you can share safely and they will listen. They will hold space for you. So
0: what I think I'm hearing you say is it takes two people to listen and hear and Even in a busy environment, maybe nurses could consider, maybe it's just time for me to listen instead of offering the advice, instead of offering the quick fix. Many times people don't want the quick fix. They just want to be heard.
1: And sometimes people think they want the quick fix, but not realizing that they have the ability to fix it themselves. And in that is that feeling of self-efficacy and self-empowerment and self-control. They just need to feel that they, they've shared it. Now, okay, now, now there's the next step for them. There's something that you said that had a little light bulb go off and, and it's sort of connected with um, my work in curanderismo, traditional healing practices from Mexico, more specifically, I understand you said this because I said this, you know, one other person to listen to. I was in a course for recently with a a traditional healer from Oaxaca, Mexico about 2 weeks ago. And one of the things he said was, you know, if you're you're going through a challenge or you you're in a in an argument with somebody or you you want to burst out yelling and tell someone off or something, the other Listening, peace doesn't have to be a person, and many times it shouldn't be a person because we're emotionally charged. Go to a tree, go to Mother Nature, tell the river, tell your favorite plant, you know, what you're feeling. You know, share it with Mother Nature, basically. You know, share it with a star because there are some things that are safer for us in the moment to communicate and to share with not another person, because we don't know how they'll react. And if they're not great listeners, then that could cause more problems than it was worth. But that we also have the natural elements, you know, tell it to your pet. And that also, you know, we're, we're talking about communication and we talked about listening, but now, you know, we're talking about like telling. Who are you going to tell and who are you going to share with? And he says, you know, Mother Nature and the natural world—our plants, our trees, our animals, our our bodies of water—they are safe, and all they ever want is our best self. All they ever want is to live in harmony, to to be together, to to survive and thrive together in in a balanced, harmonious way. So that's something that came to me when you were talking about find one other person. And I know that it comes because I said it, but now I'm rethinking that or I'm expanding that. I'll say I'm expanding that because there are some things that you may not want to share. Oh, this is so beautiful because I I think of mother
0: nature as a neutralizer as well. And every morning I go out to water my plants. I have some cacti that I don't water every day, but I I walk by them and I say, how are you doing? I check in with them and I had never once thought that I could go and have a conversation with them. And some of our listeners are like, okay, Nicole, that's crazy. However, the like whole... This, this, this whole discussion <laughs> just turned a corner. I don't know
1: what's happening I, here. <laughs>
0: but it, but I, I look at them and I'm amazed by their beauty. I'm amazed by their ability to stand out in this in the hot sun of Arizona and still continue to grow and the resiliency that they have. And just the thought of me now having access to have them listen to a story of mine that I may not want to share with anyone else. It really opens up a new possibility for me. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. So thank you.
1: We are, will be appreciative to Don Laurencio from Oaxaca, Mexico, for bringing <laughs> that into our, our discussion. Yes, absolutely. And
0: now, a word from our sponsor. The Integrative Nurse Coach Academy offers nurses innovative approaches to re energize and expand your nursing practice with new skills and tools that focus on lifestyle health and well being. As an integrative nurse coach, You will confidently promote wellness and resiliency by guiding your clients, patients, and communities to deepen their connections to inner healing resources and expand their capacities to make meaningful choices for healthy lifestyle change. Plus, you'll learn critical self-care tools to actively take care of your own health and well-being on the journey. Join the global Integrative Nurse Coach Academy community and rediscover your passion for nursing in the online Integrative Nurse Coach Certificate Program. Learn more about our programs at inursecoach.com. And when you register for the Integrative Nurse Coach Certificate Program, be sure to use the code ACTION to get $100 off the Part 1 and 2 bundle. Now back to the podcast. So you did mention the curandorismo. I'm still learning the pronunciation so um thank you for helping me. Curandorismo. So I know our listeners are they heard the word and they they want to know more. Tell us more about this work.
1: So curanderismo is a Spanish name given to The healing practices from Mesoamerica. So from central South Mexico, Central America, the Peruvian Andes, and the Amazonian area. The Spanish root, the root of that Spanish word is cura, which means heal. And it's a very general term as like, you know, healing, the practice of healing is what curanderismo is. And it the region that I'm focused on in, in learning that system and those what a colleague calls health ways of curanderismo is really specific to Mexico and kind of southwestern U.S. My background is Mexican-American. I'm Mexican-American, grew up on the Texas-Mexico border, and so I grew up in this area that was very bicultural, bilingual, um, traditional yet you know very modern so it was a really wonderful area to to grow up that i also didn't quite understand especially as a nurse i didn't understand that things that my grandmother did uh and by things i mean like healing techniques or or rituals that my grandmother did and her community did was traditional medicine or that it really was anything not just what i understood it to be a sort of superstitious things that they did because they didn't know any better or they couldn't afford to go to the doctor which was my thought and for for many many years not just as a kid but many years later when i you know got into this world of holistic nursing complementary integrative care alternative medicine I was learning all of these other practices meditation, guided imagery, breath work, yoga, aromatherapy, you know, Reiki, all these other practices, but never thought, "What does my own culture have? know these are all practices with origins in other great civilizations and other great societies, but I never thought about looking at my own. And that came with me and my studies, and I'm getting a a PhD now, and working on my dissertation, I chose to research curanderismo, thinking, what was it that my grandmother knew to do? What was it that so many, you know, women, and, and not just women, but in my experience, primarily women, knew about home remedies, and these little rituals that they, that I had performed on myself, and that they performed on you know, on members of the community that would seek them out, and even, you know, what mom would do in the kitchen. Not my mom, because she's a nurse and that wasn't her thing, but my friend's mom's, you know, making a tea for this or a salve for that or, you know. And so when I had to focus on a, a research project, that's where I came back to is, what was it that my grandmother and her community did? In a big way, it really was like returning home to now and now give respect and give credence to to that world, that wisdom, that science that I had never really thought of before, to look to look at in that way as as a science, as a wisdom practice, as medicine.
0: And in your journey of discovering all of this, (laughs) first of all, I do have to touch on the whole fact of, you know, you mentioned your grandmother and her practices, and then your mom, who was inserted into the medical model and may not have been using some of the traditions in her life. And... Yet she is very much a pillar in the society and in all of that. And people came to her and now you are coming into your own and understanding all of this. And so where are you seeing this moving and applying into your
1: life for your future? Oh goodness. For my mm. future. I, mm. I don't know, but I know it's going to be there. I'm open. I, I, I see much more of my own learning in this, um, learning about curanderismo and these, you know, these practices, and not just the practices, obviously, but the the outlook on life, the the cosmology, the philosophy of how how to live a, a right life or in right relationship, because it certainly is much more than medical practices and, and you know, rituals and remedies. It is about creating a right relationship with yourself, with other people, with the natural world, and beyond. And the more I learn, the more beautiful it gets, and the slightly more questions I have, and confused I get at the same time, it's it really is a whole learning process and an adventure and a journey and and fun. You know, I see my mom who last year was was diagnosed with breast cancer and went through chemotherapy and, and radiation and surgery. And in that process, I introduced to her some of the uh, some of the work of healers that she might want to consult for for spiritual support for physical support and yes you know she's a nurse she, she certainly is someone who has a difficult time looking at curanderismo as a as a as a healing wellness system for, for many many reasons uh, in her in her upbringing so she had a she was skeptical. She, she too thought it was just kind of superstitious. And I must say that curanderismo, where I'm from in, in that South Texas part of the world, curanderismo is synonymous with witchcraft for many people. And so that's kind of a, a huge barrier. And it wasn't until I found other teachers and professors and at a, at a, A summer course at the University of New Mexico that they've been holding for 20, 20, 21 years now. That I saw curanderismo as a valid medical approach to health and healing and wellness. Because I too always thought that it was, you know, kind of playing with the dark side and, you know, you don't want to do that. And it was scary and it was weird. And, but I knew that what my grandmother and her community did was not that. So it was something very hard to sort of fit together. So going back with my mom, she wasn't open to it at first when I was making suggestions about connecting her with a healer or with healers. But the more I learned, the more I shared and her trust in that I have some notion of what I'm talking about was open to the whole, well, it can't hurt sort of thing. I'll try it. And so she was open to expanding her circle of community that was going to be helping her through her cancer with really great results. And so now she's a, you know, she's a believer again, I'll say she's a believer again, because she too grew up, grew up with a lot of these things, a lot of the home remedies that come from traditional knowledge, but it was also sort of wrapped up in people who, who had other intentions and, you know, did other things that that aren't necessarily of the health and wellness realm. And so I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy to have played some role in in introducing or reintroducing curanderismo to her in a way that just that was so eye-opening and had some benefit for her, especially especially spiritually and, and physically that's what I would like to, where I see my direction going, I, I sort of come with, I come to the term of like a liaison. If my being a nurse and my having some credentials behind my name will ha- get open doors and get me in front of groups and people who who are, in, who are curious or, or are open to learning about another traditional healing system that is really not talked about, in this country yet we're almost 20% you know hispanic in this country that's what i would love to do is somehow connect groups with the the medicine connect people with with curanderismo and and uplift both i don't know it's it's still somewhat ambiguous but that part is very clear that i somehow will have a foot in both worlds and and be a connector i love that i see i see
0: you i see I see all of that happening. (laughs) Oh, good, Nicole. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I also see this connection. You know, here we have all of this history, cultural history, and a lot of that was squashed. Colonialism. (laughs) We took away a lot. I say we, right? History. History. Took away a lot of these traditional practices and they were considered witchcraft by some of the population. However, for centuries, these traditions were working and were, they were being utilized. So, you know, bringing them back so people can reconnect with their culture, with the things that were being done centuries before they were ever alive is beautiful. And, you, know, you mentioned the spiritual aspect and the cultural aspect, all of that, we're, we're so much more than just the black and white
1: mm. that
0: um, we can sometimes be forced into a box of, you know, this is how we do it. And so, you know, just this exploration and your courage and willingness to reconnect to it, despite despite some of the, I'm sure, pressures of don't do that, and just opening doors for people and allowing that self-expression and that
1: exploration is a beautiful thing. Well, thank you. I, I, It has been a truly uh, personal process because even in selecting, you know, curanderismo is the focus of my research for my doctorate, I had to get comfortable with that because I was embarrassed. I thought, I was going to be judged by academia or people who know so much more than me and have a status higher than I, or just this feeling of one, no one's interested. and two, is it really a real thing? or is it just sort of superstitious, you know, things that those people do, whoever those people are? And so I had and I came to realize and be shown time and time again, that that fear, that feeling of inferiority, was all me, because I have had nothing but people expressing, if not interest, at least openness and curiosity, you know, and it was me that had to to get over it, and let go of those feelings, I have ideas of where they came from, but accepting that those were my feelings, they, you know, and so, you know, the especially the nursing world. And to all of you that have heard me talk about this in some format or another, thank you for being you know, being so open and so kind to me and to my passion, because I could talk about this for days, in that my intention is to, to be a good steward, for sure, of, of representing the people, representing the knowledge, um, representing the practice and being a link to it for, for others who may be curious or interested. Well, I look forward to following along with
0: you on your journey to see how this all evolves. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a wild ride, Nicole. Tell all me. right, let's go. I'm up for it. <laughs> 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 so as we tie things up, I always love to ask the question, what is on your heart that you would
1: like to share with our listeners? So this is not hard for me. When you know, when I think about that, it's actually a lesson that was shared with me, and it was it was a comment, really, from a a healer, a curandera, Doña Rita, whom I met in New Mexico, and she's from uh, from Mexico, and it's linked to. What I submitted to you as sort of my second title, which was curandera for one or curandera of one. Mm-hmm. Um, so a curandera is a, a healer in the tradition of curanderismo. And uh, Maestra Rita is a curandera. And we were having a a moment together in class or actually outside of class, but on the campus. And I, w- I don't know what I was telling her, probably sharing some sob story about something. And her response to me is what is on my heart now and on my wrist. I have a bracelet on my on my wrist that is a that she gave me as a visual physical reminder of this. She says, Tu eres tu propia curandera. Tu eres tu propia curandera. And in English, it is you are your own healer. You are your own healer. And so, my title of Curandera of One is I am a Curandera. I am a healer, but of myself. And it's my intention to keep reminding myself of that, reminding myself of my extraordinary ability to heal, to heal myself. I am in control, I have agency. I am confident, I am important and worthy and valuable and beloved. And it starts there. It starts there. And so whatever I impart or I do or I assist with with patients, clients, family, friends, as a nurse and as a person, it should be through that same lens. It's not, you know, we go back to, I'm not fixing them. It is not my job or a role or do I have the capacity to do that, but to share that they too are their own healer and to start there with that absolute knowing. And it is so important because we lose that, we forget that, and we become... And I say we, because I've seen it in so many people and certainly in myself, we start searching and grasping and and looking for things outside of us or people outside of us, forgetting or ignoring or worse, doubting that we are our own healers. And so that's what I hold in my heart is that I remember that and first start with myself. And let me say, I'm still working on that, but... But I loved that she said that. She is a highly regarded and respected and knowledgeable and and capable curandera. And even she told me, tu eres tu propia curandera, you are your own healer. That was powerful and I'll be forever grateful. And the best gratitude and appreciation that I can give back is to live that, truly. So I will share that with y'all. And we will take that into our hearts. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It is very powerful to be reminded that, yes, I am my own healer. Yes. Well, Caroline, this has been such a wonderful conversation. And I've just picked up so many little tidbits of wisdom and powerful, powerful things to think about. So as we tie up our last few moments together... If people would like to find you, how could they connect with you?
1: So, yeah, so you can um, certainly find me on LinkedIn. That is sort of the extent of my social media presence as far as I know. So, yeah, I'm I'm on LinkedIn and really happy to connect with anyone. Awesome. And we will share the
0: links on our show notes. In addition, you have a few publications that are coming out, don't
1: you? Yes, I appreciate the the plug. They are articles that are about my preliminary research in the use of traditional medicine from Mexico among Mexican-American women in South Texas. So from my home area, I'm looking at, you know, what traditional medicine do they use? What did they use it for? How did they learn it? What do they wish their healthcare providers knew about what they do at home. So all related and and that is all part of my part of my research. But they are still looking for a a journal home. So (laughs) we'll see. Good.
0: Yeah. We all are looking for a place to land, aren't we? We certainly are. (laughs) So Caroline, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your wisdom, your beautiful spirit. We've learned
1: so much from you. Well, I really am appreciative of of your generous time and reaching out and and the opportunity. So may it live on in whatever form it needs to. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Thanks again. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for your generous time and support of our inspiring integrative nurse coaches in action. Please share this episode with a colleague, leave us a five-star review, and follow us on social media. We look forward to keeping in touch with you. Remember to breathe and to rest.